We're grateful in this service to have our wonderful Reverend Dr. Lisa Autar. Give a warm welcome to her, would you please? Amen. Thank you. Good evening. Well, I want to tell you about a man who was very rich. He was a millionaire, and he had a beautiful daughter. And so he decided to throw this grand party. And he announced at the party that if there was anyone who was able to swim across the pool to the other side, that they would either be able to choose a gift of money or his daughter's hand in marriage. Now, it didn't sound like a big deal, except the pool was filled with alligators. So no one dared to swim across. So as the party was going on, he announced it once again for someone to swim. Before he could finish his announcement, they heard a large splash. A man was in the pool. And so everyone watched in amazement as he struggled, as he continued on. And all of a sudden, the man swam across the pool and got to the other side with all the alligators around him. So the man got out, and, and the, the rich man says to him, fantastic, I've never seen anything like it. He says, would you like the gift of money, or would you like my daughter's hand in marriage? The man who had just swam across the pool pushed the rich man away and said, I don't want your money or I don't want your daughter. I want to know who pushed me in the pool. <laughs> well, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. And we'll be reading verses 1 to 12. And the, the subtitle in the Bible is Jesus Heals a Paralytic. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, we'll be reading tonight. And the title of this message is called, Carry a Corner of the Mat. Carry a Corner of the Mat. And if you would, would you please stand with me as we read God's word. Mark chapter 2, starting from verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. After digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, "'Son, your sins are forgiven.'" Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat and walk but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, 
take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, indeed, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the wonderful miracles that you have performed and the truth that is contained in this passage of Scripture. Lord, may you open up our hearts and our minds to hear from you, and we pray that, Lord, you would challenge us and that you would help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. After Jesus completed his tour of the synagogues, he he returned to Capernaum. The news of his coming immediately spread and people from all around gathered to hear him. William Barclay in his commentary says, life in Palestine was very public. In the morning, the door of the house was open and anyone who wished to come in and out could freely come in and out. The the door was never shut unless deliberately someone wished for privacy. An open door meant an open invitation for all to come in. So in humbler houses, there must have been no entrance hall. The door opened directly to the streets. So in no time, we see in this passage of scripture, the home filled up very quickly. That people gathered inside of the home and outside, and it was jam-packed. There was no room left. People gathered from all over to hear Jesus' teaching and to see what it was that he was going to do next. In this passage of scripture specifically, we see a paralyzed man who comes to Jesus, but he doesn't come alone or by himself. Instead, we see his friends bringing him to Jesus carried on a mat. But because there was no room for them to get in, because it was jam-packed and there was no room for anyone else to enter in, instead of them turning away and thinking, well, better luck next time, Maybe in a couple of days or maybe next week we'll get a chance to see Jesus or our friend will get a chance to be healed. They decided that they were going to do something out of the ordinary. They decided that, you know what? We believe that Jesus is able to heal this man. We believe that Jesus is able to heal him. And so they did not give up, but instead they persisted. In verse 4 it says, Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. You see, they didn't just go through the ordinary way. Instead, they decided to get creative. And tonight, I want to challenge us to be creative in bringing our friends and family to Christ. Be creative in bringing them to Jesus. You see, there are many people who may not necessarily come to church on a Sunday morning. We may invite them, but they may not feel that church is for them. But instead of giving up Instead of saying, well, they'll just never come, maybe it's time that we get creative in bringing them to Christ. So what am I talking about? Well, these four friends decided that they were going to make an opening in the roof, that they were going to lower down the man. And here's some information and background for you. A roof of a Palestine house was flat. It was regularly used as a place of rest and quiet. So usually there was an outside stair which ascended to it. 
The construction of the roof lent itself to what these people, these four people proposed to do. The roof consisted of flat beams laid across from wall to wall, perhaps about three feet apart. The space in between the beams were filled with brushwood packed tight with clay. The top was then made watertight. So a large part of the roof was of earth, an often flourishing crop of grass grew on the top of a Palestinian house. Because of the construction of the roof, it was possible for these men to dig through between the beams, the soft part, and it did not necessarily damage the house very much, and it was easy to repair. But instead of them going in the traditional way through the top, through the door, they decided that because they couldn't enter, they were going to get creative. We need to bring our friend to Jesus, and we can't get in through the traditional way, so you know what? We're not going to give up. We're going to go through the roof. That's what they decided to do. And I want us to be creative. Our friends, our family may not necessarily come to church on a Sunday morning, but we can invite them to different things. How about inviting our family and friends to our church picnic where they can meet many other people, where they can meet pastors and, and other people and get to know people and see that these Christians aren't too bad. Maybe we can invite our family and friends to a men's sing-along or a men's breakfast on the last Saturday of the month or a ladies' morning out or ladies' Bible study, maybe to one of our carol singings that we do at Extended Care during Christmas time, or to uh, a church banquet that we hold. Maybe we can invite their grandchildren or their children to a sports camp or a day camp. You see, or on a Sunday morning when our, our choir is presenting. You see, there are many different ways that we can get creative. And the thing that we need to remember is to not give up, but to persist. You see, these Four men brought their friends together. They came together and they brought this paralyzed man. They decided they were not going to give up, but they were not going to take no for an answer. Instead, they found a different way. And tonight, I challenge us to think outside the box, so to speak, and to be creative in bringing our friends and our family to Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, when we look at this story further, we see that it's so awesome that Jesus healed this man and forgave his sins. But if we stop to think about it, if we stop to think about the circumstances surrounding this healing, understand that this man wouldn't necessarily have been healed or even forgiven if it wasn't for his friends who carried him. If it wasn't for his friends who persisted and who brought this man to Jesus. And so the second point tonight that I want to challenge us to do is to be willing to carry one corner of the mat. To be willing to carry one corner of the mat. In verse 3 it says, some men came bringing him a paralytic carried by four of them. The four friends who each carried a corner played a vital role in this man's life. Each one of them were needed. They wouldn't have been able to bring him possibly with just two or even maybe three, but four of them took him and carried him. Likewise, there are many people in our lives, whether friends, family, co-workers, loved ones, who we may need to carry a corner of the mat for. There are many times where we may need to step in and say, let me help. 
Let me carry that burden with you. Let me walk with you through this time. Maybe you need to help by carrying a corner, by meeting someone's need. Maybe that's a financial need or a need for food or babysitting. Maybe it's a need of you just helping them do laundry or cleaning up their home a little bit after they've had surgery. Maybe it's offering them a ride. Maybe it's walking with them through a very painful time in their life, whether it's a loss of a loved one or a loss of a job, whatever that may be. Maybe carrying the corner of a mat for someone may mean phoning or visiting them when you haven't seen them in church for a while so that they know that they're cared for and they're loved. Maybe carrying a corner of that mat for someone means inviting them to church or a church event. Maybe carrying a corner of that mat is simply praying for them, bringing them to prayer. You see, we might not always physically be able to bring someone to church to experience Christ, but we are able to always carry them to prayer. You see, we have many, many prayer needs. Those of you who have different needs, your family's needs, those in our church, and you'll see week to week, we have the prayer sheet. And there are so many people who we can carry to Jesus in prayer. Simply by praying for them and walking with them through that journey, prayer is so essential, and prayer simply can be your way of carrying one corner of the mat. A little girl and her father were sitting on her bed as he tucked her into bed one night. She said, Papa, tell me a story before I go to sleep. He says, well, let me tell you, uh, let me see what story I'll tell you. He said, there are so many stories that I love, but let me tell you a Bible story about four men who carried their paralyzed friend to Jesus. Lowering through the roof, That's one of my favorites because it reminds me so much of how your Uncle Hans was healed. I don't know that story, the little girl said. Please tell me. Well, many years ago, the father began. Hans and his wife Enid escaped the war in Europe so that they can continue their life of teaching in the seminary. At first, things were very difficult because his English was not very good. But soon he became one of our seminary's most loved teachers. The students loved him because he was warm and gentle, and when he spoke, the scriptures came alive. Hans and Enid were very much in love. Nearly every day they took long walks together, holding hands. It warmed the hearts of the students and the faculty alike to see them sit close to each other and hold hands in church. Then... Unfortunately, one day, Enid died. Hans was struck with sorrow. For weeks, he would not eat, take walks, or even go to work. The seminary president, along with three other friends, visited him regularly, but he felt lonely and depressed. He was experiencing what we may call the dark night of the soul. On one of their visits, Hans said to his friends, I am no longer able to pray to God. In fact, I'm not even certain I believe in God anymore. After a moment of silence, the seminary president said, then we will believe for you. We will make your confession for you. We will pray for you. 
The other friends looked bewildered at their president's words, but not knowing what else to say, they agreed. So, in the days ahead, the four men met regularly, daily, for prayer. They made confession on behalf of hands. They asked God to restore the gift of his faith, and they asked for him to continue to allow them to visit with him at his home. Then after many months, the four of the men gathered in Han's living room. He smiled before he spoke. It is no longer necessary for you to pray for me anymore. Today, I would like you to pray with me. The dark night of the soul has passed. There was a long silence before the little girl spoke. So Uncle Hans was just like the sick man in the story, wasn't he, Papa? Only instead of a mat to carry him to Jesus, his friends used prayer. That's right, his father said, and kissed his daughter goodnight. You see, carrying a corner of the mat may not necessarily mean physically carrying, but doing our part in taking that responsibility. We are responsible in helping. We're responsible in sharing the gospel. We're not responsible of what God is going to do once they get to Jesus, but we are responsible in a sense to allow them to come to him, to bring them to Jesus. And so I challenge you tonight to be willing to carry one corner of the mat. Whatever that may look like for you, whatever it may look like in your circumstance, may you be willing to carry. And remember, it can simply mean carrying them to prayer, carrying them in prayer. Well, verses 5 to 10 tell us, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this man talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or say, get up, take your mat, and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. You see, Jesus not only healed this man, but he forgave his sins. And tonight we can be reminded that God alone can forgive your sins. God alone can forgive your sins. And not only can he forgive them, but he wants to forgive them. He wants us to come before him, acknowledging what we have done, confessing what we have done, and asking him to help us to change our ways. God alone has the power and the authority to forgive sins. You see, Jesus stirred up a lot of anger in the day. The teachers of the law were furious because of his claims to be the Messiah, because of his claims to forgive sin. And they, it went against what they thought was true. Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, yet he did not fit what they thought the Messiah should be or should look like, the image that they had in their mind of what a Messiah should be. And so they constantly accused him time and time again of blaspheming. But when Jesus saw the faith of this man, saw the faith of his friends, he said to him, son, 
your sins are forgiven. Son, your sins are forgiven. And you see, it's beautiful because not only does he see that this man has a physical need, but he looks deeper. He looks deeper than just the physical need because what Jesus was concerned about was not only just the physical, but to the the state of heart. He was concerned about the spiritual state that this man was in. And so before all else, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, it may seem odd that he would start the cure in saying this way. He would start by saying, your sins are forgiven. But Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. You see, in Palestine, in the time of Jesus, it was natural and inevitable for the people to connect sin with suffering. So if someone was suffering, people felt that it was because of their sin that they were suffering. So sin and suffering went hand in hand. If you were suffering, it was because of your sin. If you had sin, then it would equal to some sort of suffering. And so Jesus starts by telling this man, your sins are forgiven. Now for us today, there are times where because of our sin, we may suffer. Because of things that we do that we know are wrong, it can lead to different physical illnesses or or different things that may cause us to suffer. But it does not always mean because of we are suffering, it's specifically because of a sin. And here we see this, the people had this mentality in John chapter 9 where Jesus heals a man born blind. The story begins by saying, as he went along, he saw a man born blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. You see, to the Jewish people, if a person was sick, it was because of something that they had done or their parents had done to cause them to suffer and because God was angry. But this was not the case all the time, and Jesus makes that clear, that especially in this case of the man born blind, it was not because of any specific sin. But God alone has the power to forgive sins. God alone has the power to forgive sins sins. Have you come to Jesus confessing your sin because he wants to forgive you? Have you come to him and said, God, I know that I've messed up and maybe I've messed up more than I should have, but help me to change my ways because he wants to. He wants to help us. God is not a God who stands there ready to just condemn and to say, aha, you messed up. But he's a God who is there in the midst, waiting to help us, waiting to be there for all of our needs. And so Jesus tells this man that his sins are forgiven, stirring up so much tension. But notice Jesus says to the religious leaders, he says, is it easier? Would it be easier to say your sins are forgiven or to get up, take your mat, and walk? 
You see, something like get up, take your mat, and walk is, is a visual, is something tangible that the people could see demonstrated. But not only did Jesus do what no one else had the power and the authority to do by healing this man, he forgave sins, the same thing that no one else had the power and authority to do. And so Jesus does both. He forgives this man because he is God and God alone, and he heals him and allows him to take his mat and walk, demonstrating that he has power and authority over all things. And this is in verse 10b. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he tells us to pick up your mat and walk. Pick up your mat and walk. This man was crippled. He was paralyzed. He was not able to move. The scripture doesn't go in detail to tell us if this man was born this way or if something had happened or if it was because of a specific illness. But all we know is that he was paralyzed, that he was not able to walk on his own, that his friends were the ones who brought him to Jesus. And now Jesus says to him, I see your situation. I know exactly what you're going through. I see the circumstances that are surrounding. I know that you're not able to walk, but I tell you, pick up your mat and walk. Pick up your mat and walk. And you see, my friends, there are times in life where we may feel like that paralyzed man, that we, we may feel like we've tried so many different things, that we've gone here, we've gone there, that it just doesn't seem like we ever can get ahead, that it just doesn't seem like our circumstances that surround us will ever change. But know that God is the one who is able to speak to our situations, and he is able to say, I see your situation. I see the circumstances that surround you, but I also know that I alone have the power to change your situation. And he says, get up, take your mat, and walk. Get up, take your mat, and walk. The man got up, he took his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like it. You see, when we have faith in Jesus Christ, when we have faith that he is able to do what no one else is able to do, then we will be able to say when we see his hand at work in our lives that we've never seen anything like it, that it's only because of God that we're able to experience those kind of healings, that it's only because of God that we're able to experience those kind of blessings, that it's only because of God that we can see his power and his authority displayed. When we truly come believing, things happen. Amen. You see, we're not always guaranteed healing the way that we may expect it. We may not always get the kind of healing that we want, but know that God's will is perfect, that God will do what he sees best. And if it's his will to heal you from a physical illness, then he will. And even if you are not or we are not healed physically in this life, we will be healed in glory. And so whatever the reason, we have to hold on 
and trust him, knowing that he is in control, knowing that he has authority and power over all things. For this man, for this paralyzed man, he received healing both physically and spiritually. And maybe that may mean for you that you may just receive a spiritual healing, but know that the spiritual healing that God has to give to each one of us is way more important than physical. You see, physical is just temporary here on this earth, but spiritual is what will determine eternity. And so God desires to heal all of us spiritually and to make sure that we make that spiritual decision to follow and trust in him. Are you trusting in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Are you in need of a spiritual healing? Are you in need of God reminding you of who he is, of his power and authority in your life? Regardless of your situation, God is able to speak to your situation and tell you, pick up your mat and walk. The mat may represent a negative view, a negative situation, a crippling experience, something that is holding you back or holding you down. Jesus comes and he tells us, in other words, I'm changing your situation, I'm in control, so now I tell you to walk. You may not have been able to walk before, but he says, pick up your mat and walk. He speaks to our circumstances, and he does what no one else is able to help us to do. And so there are so many lessons that we can learn from this passage of Scripture. But I remind us to be creative in bringing our family members and our friends to Jesus, to be willing to carry one corner of the mat, to know that God alone can forgive your sins, and to pick up your mat and walk. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, indeed, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, that your power and your authority knows no bounds, knows no limits, that, Lord, you are in full control of all things. And we thank you, Lord, that because of your grace and your mercy, you are more than willing to forgive us of our sins. And thank you, Lord, for the fact that you died on the cross to pay for each and every one of our sins so that we can be forgiven, redeemed, adopted into your family and given the gift of eternal life. And so we thank you for that sacrifice that you have made. And Lord, indeed, we pray that whatever situation we may be in right now or that our family or friends may be in, that you would remind us that you are the God who is able to speak to our situation and to say, pick up your mat and walk. And so, Lord, may we come humbly, believing and trusting that you are able and knowing that you are in control. And so, God, may you meet with each one in a special and real way tonight. Remind us, Lord, of who you are, and we thank you for what you've done and for what you will continue to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.